The following podcast contains strong language, adult themes, and scenes that depict violence and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Guy comes home with the chicken in his arm. He comes up to the door and he opens it. His wife comes down the stairs and he says, Honey, I want to show you this. Jesus, Harriet. You want to take this outside? Why take it outside when I'm right here? I'll get out of my face. What the hell did you do? Harriet, lay off my back. How did you let this happen to Connie? I didn't do anything. After she was released from the hospital, she asked if she could head home for a bit, get some fresh clothes, and clean up. She lives just up the street. It wasn't too far out of the way. I didn't think anything would happen to her. You didn't think anything would happen to her. She was just assaulted and committed to testifying against her attacker, and you didn't think she would need a police escort back to her home? You just let her go off on her own? Come on. She was just going home for a sec. And now she's dead. And so is my case. Elephant Scout presents Tucson Heat, Episode 7, The Easy Way or the Hard Way. Damn it. Freaking Maxwell getting my freaking witness killed. I could just... Hey, Harriet. How are you holding up? How do you think I'm holding up? I thought so. It's just, after all these years, I finally had a chance. An opportunity to put that bastard away and that freaking doofus blew it. So what are you going to do about it? Excuse me? Are you going to sit here whining and moping? You're right. I should be punching a hole in the wall. And then what? I'll punch another hole and another till my fist is thriving so much the pain will distract me and how some doofus just blew the biggest case of my life. Come on, Harriet. You're better than that. You know what, Jason? I don't think I am. This guy has outsmarted me every step of the way. The cases keep piling up, and I've never felt so far from putting this guy away. You don't honestly believe that, do you? What would you do? If I were you, I would have taken a break from the case like I suggested earlier this week. God, not this again. But since you don't seem capable of that, why don't you just tell a bright, efficient, diligent young detective the details of your case? And maybe she can wrap it up quick for you. What makes you think that you could even... I'm on a hot streak. Get it while it's hot. (laughs) Closing one case doesn't mean you're on a hot streak. I think it does. I've closed 100% of my cases. Should we take a look at your backlog? (sighs) Fine. Let's start at the beginning. Great. Uh, Where are you going? To get the case files back from Maxwell. Why? Didn't you get the memo that all case files are being digitized? Uh, yeah, sure. Of course I did. Right. Let me just log in on your computer. Do you know the case file or victim's name? CR 2015-3706. Yep. It's in the system. Okay. Tell me your version as I read along. Not much to say. A sweet-looking girl left for dead along the river path. Give me the details. This case report is a bit on the dry side. You don't like my writing style? I didn't say that. Come on. Walk me through it. Fine. I was called to the scene early morning. I'd been a detective for two years at that point, but I'd never seen a murder victim like her. The way she was displayed with that thin copper wire wrapped tightly around her bruised neck. When did you start seeing that a pattern was being established? Two years later with a third victim. He was getting cockier. His methods more clean. The neck had less bruising, 
lacerations. The copper wire was thicker. The fingertips were expertly filleted off. Hardly any bleeding. And when did the FBI profiler get involved? 2007, Desiree Linksky was the victim. Was hoping it would help, but no luck there. This profile doesn't match Hudson at all. I know. I think that's the reason everyone's been giving me grief about Hudson all these years. Those profiles are only accurate half the time. That's good to know. So when did you connect Hudson to these cases? I didn't. He did. He started calling me every time there was a new victim. He would call you? How did he get your number? Probably from someone working the front desk. Who knows? But in 2010, that's when I started focusing on his calls and trying to trace them. Interesting. All the victims were reported to our tip line. Right. And? I can see one or two, but all of them. That's not strange to you? Well, when you put it that way... Did you ever go through the logs to see who called in? Hey, that's not a bad idea. Only thing is, back then it was still done by hand. It'll take us weeks to go through all those logs and figure out who made those calls. No, it won't. Those were digitized, too. Well, who made the calls then? Looks like four victims were reported from the same number. The rest are from different numbers. That must have been when he switched to burner phones. And guess what address pops up with that number? Sam Hudson's. Hot damn, you did it. I told you. You should have taken a break from these cases and come back to it with fresh eyes. Fine, fine, fine. I'll maybe try that shower principle in the future. (laughs) You were listening. This is a good find, but it's not enough for an arrest warrant. But it could get me a search warrant, and maybe we could find some physical evidence. Can you get me a printout of those call logs? You got it. I'll head down to the courthouse to get a judge to sign off on a search warrant. Want to come? I'll stay here to see if anything else pops out. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. I think we're finally going to get this guy. Let's see if this number called in any other tips. What's this? Lisa Sanders. This case has a similar M.O., but Harriet's never mentioned it. I wonder... Hello? Bitsy, stop it. I'll get you your treat in just a sec. Hello? Yes, I'm looking for Mrs. Sanders. It's me. What can I do for you? Sorry about that. Fitz hates it when I'm on the phone. He always wants my full attention. Here you go. That's okay. I'm Detective Alicia with the Tucson Police Department, and I came across your daughter's case. Lisa? Oh my goodness. I thought you stopped working on her case. I haven't heard from you in years. Something about it being a cold case. Uh, I don't know what to say. I've just been promoted to detective, and what I can say is I'm going to be taking over your daughter's case. Well, you don't know how much this means to me. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind answering some questions for me. Well, I'm not sure what else you would need to know. I think they've asked me every possible question over the years. How long has it been? 20 years to the month. I can't imagine living with such a loss for so long. How have you been holding up? I just try to get through each day. Early on, there was such a heaviness. I can't explain it. I lost everything when Lisa was taken from me. That heaviness just took over my life. It destroyed my marriage. I was a mess. 
but after a while I just got numb to it all. It's still there, that weight, but that numbness has let me get back to somewhat of a normal life. <laughs> I've got my dog Fitz. That's who you hear yapping in the background. He keeps me busy for sure. <laughs> he sounds like a good boy. He is, sometimes. So I've read through all the notes from the previous detective, and I was hoping you could give me a little more on Lisa's life back then. Well, she was a junior at the university studying, oh, what do you call it? She wanted to be a social worker. She wanted to help people who were less fortunate than her. Was she always like that? Always. Ever since she was a child, whenever her friends would come over, she would let them play with her new toys while she played with her old broken ones. That was just her spirit. She even spent her summers tutoring kids that fell behind during the school year, you know, helping them catch up, you know. That was through the university? No, the school district. She had to jump through so many hurdles to get in. I bet. What about her school life? Did she ever talk to you about any of her classmates? Were any of them hostile towards her? Not really. I assume you're going to ask me about Rock? Rock? Is that someone's name? Was it? I think it was that. Maybe it was Rocky? I'm terrible with names. They were in a few clubs together. I don't recall seeing that name in the case file. Did they have any classes together? No, no. Just whatever social clubs were going on. The week Lisa was... went missing. She talked about going out with him. A little dinner or something. She was excited and a bit nervous, but I was happy for her. You two must have been close. Oh, yeah. We talked about anything and everything. Was anything unusual going on in Lisa's life at the time? Like, was she stressed out or worried about anyone? Anything? No, nothing at all. Just normal school stuff, midterms and whatever. It was just so random. Hmm. Thank you for answering my questions, Mrs. Sanders. I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you for your time. Detective, I was wondering... Yes, Mrs. Sanders? It's just, it's been 20 years, and I don't know how much help it is to your case. What's that? When they found my daughter, she was wearing a necklace. My mother gave it to Lisa as a gift when she graduated from high school. Mom passed earlier this year, and I was just hoping I could get it back. Lisa's necklace. Yes. It's something my mom had made down in Tubac. Lisa was a swimmer. She always loved the water. We always taught her that you can't make moves without making waves. It became our little family motto. So my mother had this necklace made. It's a gorgeous round piece of turquoise with a handcrafted metal encasing in the shape of a wave carved out. What type of metal was the encasing made of? It's from Tubac, Arizona, so copper, of course. They told me it had to stay in evidence until the case was closed. Is that true? Hold on. Did you say copper? Jasmine, you have all the paperwork lined up like I asked? It's all right here. Great. I got us a search warrant. But before we head out... What is it, Jasmine? I'm about to search the house of the psycho who's been taunting me for the last five years. Hopefully get some physical evidence and arrest him for 13 murders. Well, as I was putting the paperwork together for you and the DA, I did a quick search in the system. You know what? I'll just follow up with it later. Never mind. Tell me. If your gut is telling you something, then you need to speak up. You should never be afraid to say anything, no matter what it is. Now spit it out. This cold case popped up. Lisa Sanders. 
born April 7th, 1979, same age as Hudson. They even went to the same college, but she never got a chance to graduate. She does look like the other 13 victims. Check the crime scene photos. There's no wire. But look at her necklace. What is that? Turquoise? Wrapped in copper? Okay, color me intrigued. She was excessively strangled. Her windpipe was crushed in multiple places. And Whoa! What happened to her fingers? M.E. guesses they were snipped off with some sort of heavy-duty cutter. When was... Th- this happened years before the first copper wire killer victim. <sighs> I think this is the first victim. Wait, wait, wait. Let's talk this out. Sam and Lisa met in college. They're both in the same social circles. She's attractive to Sam. Reminds him of his mother. I can't tell you how many moms I've met that look a lot like me. Same here. And it never gets less weird. Damn. They go on a date. She does something that pushes his buttons. Sparks up that anger and rage that's been building up. What was that trigger? He reacts. Crosses a line. Strangles her. He thinks she's dead, but he's not sure. So he overcompensates. By strangling her multiple times. But why take the fingertips? Maybe he thought they couldn't ID the body without them. But he took the whole fingertip from the first knuckle up. With the later victims, he just shaves them off. I've never understood the fingertips. There's another thing. What's that? I went ahead and called the mother. She told me about a potential date Lisa had that week. But it's not in the report. Who wrote this report? Damn it. Maxwell, get over here. You two need something? Check out this case. It's one of yours that's gone cold. Sanders. Oh, yeah. With the fingers snipped off. Sounds familiar? What? You remember every detail of every case you've worked on? So what if I do? Get out of my face. Hey, I need you to try and focus. Lisa's mother told you about a student she was going out on a date with. I don't see any notes on that. She said his name was Rock or Rocky. Oh, yeah. I remember that name and thinking it was stupid. And did you follow up with that lead? Yeah. There were no students with that name at all in the entire university. You two ever talk to your moms about movies? I only talk to my mother on Christmas and her birthday. Jesus, Maxwell. Moms mix up names all the time. You ever hear of Rock Hudson? Mrs. Sanders was unsure of the guy's name when I talked to her. I've never heard of the guy. You need anything else from me? I gotta get going. No. Thanks for your help. A lot of help he was. Let me see your notes from the call with Lisa's mother. Is this nothing? No, no. This is, a, this is a good find. Yeah, it's all circumstantial, but your head is in the right place. I think it's about time we serve this search warrant. Interesting. Hello? Hey there, Hudson. How's your evening going? Detective Shepard. How'd you get this number? Would you believe I found it on a bathroom wall? (laughs) Funny. To what do I owe the pleasure of you gracing me with your voice, Detective Shepard? I just realized I'd missed your last few calls. Well, 
all of them, from the last five to six years, and I thought it was about time I called you back. Are you not in a talkative mood right now? <laughs> you know I love a good chat, Detective. But I'm afraid we have nothing to talk about at the moment. Oh, ho, ho, I beg to differ. Why's that? What did you do today, Sam Hudson? Not a lot of people ask me that, Detective. I don't believe that. You always sound so charming on the phone. Now, now, Detective. Are you trying to flatter me? They do say you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I thought I'd give it a try. So, your day? How was it? Well, I would say today was a boring, mundane, typical day. Just worked my nine to five, stopped for dinner on my way home. Where did you stop for dinner? Just went to my usual spot, El Corral. They have good steak. <laughs> they certainly do. Can't go wrong with a good steak. But the sides, the sides can make a meal a masterpiece. What did you get for your sides? Nothing too fancy, just a baked potato. A nice, simple, hearty meal. Wouldn't it be a shame if that was the last meal you ate at a restaurant? It won't be, Detective. I assume you didn't call to talk to me about my eating habits. You're right. I didn't. Do I need to reciprocate formalities and ask? I apologize. We're having a conversation. I should keep this chat less formal. Now it's your turn, Detective. How was your day? I had a great day. Thanks for asking. Why's that? You know all those cases you've been calling me about? The ones you love to chat about? Of course I do, Detective. Well, I think I saw our main suspect today. Now, now, Detective. That's great news. I'd say so. I saw him around 6.25 p.m. The sun hadn't set yet, so it was easy enough to spot him. His receding hairline sparkled in the golden hour light. You know how receding hairlines can be pretty sometimes. <laughs> To each their own, I suppose. He was crossing the street, just walking alone. Do you ever just take a stroll, Hudson? Uh, who doesn't love a nice walk while the sun is setting and the city begins to cool? Especially in the spring, before it gets too hot. And there's a nice breeze. There's nothing like it. Hmm, indeed. Do you ever take a stroll after dinner? I mean... The river walk is right there by your usual stomping grounds. I can't say that I have. Can't or won't? What are you implying, Detective? Oh, nothing. Well, I have to confess, it was you I saw earlier this evening. Me? Detective? Ah, oh, I see. Is this another one of your attempts to frame me for murder? Thirteen murders, and no framing is necessary. I know you did it. Oh, detective. How many times are we going to walk down this path? Nope. Uh-uh. Not tonight. We're not playing this game by your rules anymore. Tonight we end this. And how are you going to do that, detective? It's been said a hundred times. You don't have evidence. Says who? <laughs> Is that why you're gracing me with a call? To share a surprise twist? Would you prefer I share with you in person? Of course you know I do, Detective. <laughs> Detective Shepard. 
Another big surprise this evening from you. Ready for surprise number three? What is this? It's a warrant for your arrest. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Please, say the hard way. You know I have nothing to hide, detective. I'm sure this is just another one of your misunderstandings. Again. Then you'll have no problem joining me at the station. Not at all, detective. Damn it. You chose the easy way. Turn around, put your hands on your head. Of course, detective. Elephant Scout presents Tucson Heat Created by Christopher Scott Written by Debbie Federico Francisco Landin and Christopher Scott Music provided by Freddie Walker Jr. at One Focus Productions LLC Starring Betsy Bruce and Chiselle Rodriguez with James Frost AJ Kincaid Sally Shamrao and Carlos Charlie Hall For more information, visit elephantscout.com forward slash podcast or follow us on social media at Elephant Scout. Please tell your friends about our show and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.